Well, I told Lee I, I meant to go home with these notes after this morning and go over them real close, make sure all my references were right. I didn't do that, so here we go. <laughs> We're going to be in Numbers chapter 21 tonight. Numbers chapter 21. The first nine verses of the chapter this evening, I, I want to look at the, the God's deliverance in battle and then God's deliverance from sin. We see two different stories, short stories here, and uh, I want to focus more on the second one than the first one, but uh, I do want to see it just for a minute and, uh, and make a point from, from the first three verses. But Numbers chapter 21 says, And when King Arid, the Canaanite, which dwell in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them in their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormah. So this is God's deliverance in battle. It's, it's, they see the power of God. And we'll look at that just a little bit more here in a second. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it on a, upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. We're going to stop right there tonight. Uh, deliverance in battle and deliverance from sin. Uh, interesting scenario that Israel puts themselves in, and uh, just over and over and over with their murmuring against God. But let's start this evening with a word of prayer, and uh, we'll look at his... A look at the message tonight. Father, thank you um, once again for Christmas, for your sacrifice as you came to earth, Lord, to, to take our sin upon the cross and die for us. Lord, uh, guide tonight. I ask that you would, would set aside the distractions of the day and of the week and the things that are coming uh, up this week, things we must do, Lord, just that we would focus tonight on your word and 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 allow your spirit to, to uh, speak to each one of us. And then when we hear your spirit speaking, that we're submissive and humble before you tonight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So, this is, this is an interesting story here. And uh, if you go back into chapter 21, the last verse, uh, Aaron, Moses' brother, dies. And so here in just a couple chapters, he loses his sister and his brother, and those that have been going with him. Now we knew Aaron was not going into the promised land. 
because he was there with Moses when Moses struck the rock and God told the two of them, you're not going into the promised land. And now Moses has died, I mean Aaron has died, and Moses is leading the people, and, and this king, Ered, comes against them. And fought against them, it said, and took some of them prisoners. And so he's successful in the first battle. And, uh, and Israel falls on their knees before the Lord and says, um, if we're going to vow a vow, if you'll indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. Now God had told the people of Israel to destroy the Canaanites because of their sin, because of the wickedness of the land. He was going to purge the land. So they are to destroy their enemies. And they said, if you will do this, we will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites. And they destroyed them in their cities and called the, place of the, na- the name of the place Hormah. They, they see this great victory again. We see over and over as Israel's coming out of the land of Egypt and wandering in the wilderness that God provides for them. God gives them victories. They evidently knew that they couldn't in their own strength go up against the, uh, uh, this king Ered. And so they went to the Lord and said, we need you. And God said, let's go and I will deliver them into your hand. So they see his power on display yet again. And it's, it's a picture of our life. We see God's power in different ways. As we walk through life, we see victories. We, we come on a Sunday morning and we give testimony. This is what God did this week. We saw something go on this week, or I opened up the Word of God and it spoke to me this way this week. And we see the power of God. And then, and immediately after this, verse 4, And they journeyed from the Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Egypt, or Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And I thought about it, that can be each and every one of us too. Much discouraged because of the way. Because of the things that are going on, or, or just the, the difficulty of life. We get tired, we get, we get uh, worn down. I wanted to go to Galatians chapter 6 uh, tonight. Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 9. And... Uh, talks about fainting. If we faint not, says in verse 9, fainting is, is getting worn out. Verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such as in one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if man think of himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all, in, in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, the context of this is, is, is interesting to me. There's, there's personal responsibility in here. Every one of us bear our own burdens. We are answer to the Lord for what we've done in our life. 
You will answer to God for what happened this week. I won't answer for you. I'll answer for this church as a whole, but I won't answer for you individually. If that makes sense. You answer for yourself. But he says we're to bear one another's burdens in verse 2. He says we're to, if one is overtaken in a fault, restore such in one. Go to them and help them. Bear them along. Why? Because life is difficult. Because there are lots of struggles that we go through. It's important that we be together. That we, that we come together. I can't bear your burden and you can't bear mine if I never see you and you never see me. If, if we don't get together and fellowship and communicate and, and confess our faults one to another. I preached on that a couple months ago. Confessing our faults to one another. How often do we really do that? That's a difficult thing to do. And many times we look at our burdens as that, as a fault. And so I don't tell anybody else. I don't communicate it to them. And before too long, I'm falling on my face. I'm, I'm fainting because my, my faith is small. My, weak, my, my strength is weakened. And yet God has given us this church, this, this fellowship to stand together, bear one another's burdens. I look at Israel and I wonder, did they really communicate back and forth between themselves about what God had done? Or did they pick up each other's complaints? <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. And they didn't keep their focus on God. You know, I have a responsibility personally to keep my focus on Him. We have a responsibility corporately to keep our focus on Him. Bearing one another's burdens. Because we can faint. It's, it's not that hard to do. It's not, it's not uh, something that any of us are exempt from. We give my dad a hard time. Uh, there's certain things that when, ha- when it happens to him, if the pain gets to a certain level... He passes out. And my brother's relentless at picking on him about it. I don't know if it's a low pain tolerance. I don't know the pain he feels. Like a doctor asking you to tell one to ten, that doesn't mean anything to me. But there's a threshold there. And you know what? We all have a threshold. And we're to be together in in helping one another, bearing each other's burdens, so that in the time of, of weariness, we don't faint. We don't turn on God and say, why did you do this to us? Uh, We loathe this bread, they said, this light bread, manna, God's supply. Because they got defeated and they got distracted and they took their eyes off of God. One victory one day and then they start journeying again and they're discouraged by the difficulties of the way. God delivered in battle and yet they turned on him again. So then we see, verse 5, And the people spake against God and against Moses. And the same thing they've said over and over and over. I wonder if Moses just rolled his eyes when they came and said this to him. Because they said it to him so many times. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die out in this land? There's no bread, neither is there any water. And then they contradicted themselves, for our soul loatheth this light bread. There is bread. <laughs> There's deliverance from God. He's providing for them every day. 
and they complain and they murmur and they gripe at God instead of, instead of just relying on Him. They fainted. They got discouraged and they fell down on their face and they failed. And God's answer was, He sent fiery serpents among the people, verse 6. And they be, be, bit the people and much people of Israel died. wondered what those snakes must have been like. All of a sudden, the camp is just overrun with fiery serpents. They're attacking people. God, God put these snakes in there that, that were aggressive, from what it sounds like. He's punishing their sin. He's punishing their sin. Verse 7, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. He, he convicted them. You know, it sounds pretty crazy to send a bunch of snakes into the people and, and start biting them and, and killing them, but his focus was to get their eyes back on him. There's nothing we can do in this situation is, but turn back to God. We're, we're dying at record numbers here. There's nothing to stop it. And so they go back to God and they say, We have sinned. We have sinned. He brought them to that point again. And then he told Moses, well, mold, fashion a snake, put it on a pole, and go out and among the people. You know, it's interesting. They asked God to remove the snake, the snakes, and God said, look upon the pole. They asked God to remove the punishment for sin, and God said, no, you look to me, and I'll redeem you from your punishment of your sin. It's a great picture. It's a perfect picture of Christ. And I, w I wanted to look at this tonight as the pictures of God's love and deliverance. He gave them a, 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 um, a rescue, a deliverance. And He didn't have to do that. Their sin, their punishment was just for their sin. They were guilty before God. And yet He put the, fires, the snake on the pole and gave them a... A redemption. Now go with me, and we read it last week, I think, but we're going to read John chapter 3, part of John chapter 3 again tonight. I think it was Daniel Thursday night said John was his, John chapter 3 was his favorite chapter in the Bible, and you'd be hard pressed <laughs> to, to argue that. What an amazing chapter! Uh, as we look at the gospel and what Christ did for us. So, verse 14 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The story we just read in the Old Testament, Jesus said this is, as that happened, as they were dying for their sin, and the serpent was lifted up. That's what's going to happen to me, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You know, just like then, He doesn't remove sin from the world. He delivers us from the punishment of sin. He, didn't, he doesn't even remove the punishment of sin. He delivers us from it. Sin is still punished every day all around us. The lost are still dying and going to hell every single day. Sin is running rampant and through the world. 
yet the Son of Man was lifted up so that we can look upon Him and receive redemption from that sin. So He sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus Christ and Him alone might be saved. What a, what a, that's why this chapter is so amazing. Verse 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Romans chapter 3 says what? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the condemnation that we all came under. That's why Jesus was born of a virgin, because the, the sin nature is passed through the Father. If He'd have had an earthly father, He'd have had a sin nature. But because the Holy Ghost was His Father, he was, or the Holy Ghost came upon Mary. He didn't have that sin nature passed on. He was born of flesh, was tempted as we are, but did not have the sin nature. So every one of us that have an earthly father are born sinners. Condemned, it says, already from birth because of Adam and Eve's sin. Because death came upon all men by Adam. We're condemned. It's the serpent that bites us. And we die from that bite. We die from that sin if we don't stop and look to the sun. Nothing else could deliver. Nothing else could deliver Israel. They didn't have an antidote. There wasn't a, there wasn't a shot for that an antivenom for that snake bite. There was only the pole. Only God's deliverance that He gave them. It's the same for us. And I praise the Lord for that. I'm glad there's not a myriad of ways getting there. God's not the author of confusion. And that would be confusing. Well, I chose this way, and he chose this way, and she chose this way, and all road lead there. That's a lie of Satan. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm so glad it's just through Christ and by faith alone, not of my works. Sin caused death, but God's mercy brought life. John chapter 1. Verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning with or same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Jesus Christ is life, and in him is the light of men. In him is mercy and deliverance and, and redemption being bought from the wages of sin, being saved from eternity in hell. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I read that this morning, and as I said this morning, what an amazing thought. He doesn't just make us alive. We have life more abundant. It bubbles over. It's something that, something that should be evident to those around us. That in Him is life. I've given testimony of our neighbor, Vern Hardesty, but I always think about it with life more abundantly. He's the picture of the, the earthly man that just had 
the joy of God bubbling up in his heart. At 82 years old, coming across the street to tell us of a verse he read. Walk across the street. I hope you're not busy. I hope I'm not interrupting. No, come on in. And he'd sit down. We were drinking coffee before we left to go do some construction job. And he'd come in. He's like, the Lord gave me a verse this morning. Just blessed my soul. And he'd read that verse. He goes, I'm just so happy in the Lord this morning. And it just radiated out of his face. He's this little skinny older man. And he walked back across the street, jumped over his flower bed and clicked his heels as he went into his house. And it wasn't pretentious. It wasn't put on. He had life more abundant. He was great to be around. I never was around him that he wasn't an encouragement to me. Because he knew Christ. Because there was something in him that was so different. <laughs> I, I think I told you about him running his fingers into the press. He wanted to print gospel tracts. And he put this press in, his, in a building in his backyard and taught himself how to, to print. 75, 76, somewhere in there when he got his 1250 multi-lift. Those things are, if you've ever been around, those things are just, they should have been burned years ago. Boy, they are an aggravation. There's rollers all over that thing, and if they're not just adjusted right, it doesn't take much to get them off. And don't, please don't ask me to ever work one, because I don't know much about them. I've just watched them work and, and watched the people fight them and fight them. He came over and his fingers were blood red to the, first, to the middle knuckle on one hand. And he had been trying to adjust the machine while it was running and caught his fingers in there and got them run down between two rollers and just smashed up right up to there. We said, what did you do? He goes, well, I finally got a hold something was able to, to hit the switch over there and shut the power off to the building or something like that. He couldn't reach the switch on the machine itself. His hand was caught and being crushed. And he came over with a smile on his face to show us what kind of a, what kind of a goofball he'd been that morning. He's like, you got to see what happens to an old man that thinks he can print. And I'm like, ha! Ah, man, that, most people would have went to bed. It's just the way he was. He just loved the Lord, and it showed in his life. This is what I think of life more abundant. I love being around Christian people. Because they're an encouragement. There's strength there, and, and there's, there's a difference in that life. Chapter 11, verse 25. 25 and 26. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. It's in Jesus Christ. He just reinforces it all through His Word. He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in Me shall never die. Have life eternal, and that abundant life for, eternal, uh, for eternity. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21.
Verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if the, through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Christ Jesus, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. That is life, I mean, that is death, eternity in hell, that is separation from God. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more than they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so grace might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. God's mercy brought life. It's repeated over and over in this passage. One man brought sin, and we're all dead. One man brought life. Jesus Christ, it says, that is by Jesus Christ, our Lord. The last five words in that chapter. The Son of Man was lifted up so that we might have life in that more abundantly. One more passage and we'll be done tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 9 and 10. Verse 8, he says, there, he's not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Verse 9, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he hath given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Sin causes death. The Israelites murmured against God, and God punished the sin. As we looked this morning, He is just. Sin cannot go without punishment. He is, he is the God of judgment. He's the God of right. He's the God of order. So sin is going to be punished, but He's also the God of mercy, and that He lifted up His Son. And I can look to Him. And have life. <laughs> Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. When he had a death sentence upon him, he went and he did what God said, and he lived. If I'm born in sin, and I am, 
I was. You were too. The sentences passed upon us were condemned already. What we have to do is go to Christ. This is why Christmas is precious. Because we have salvation. Because He loves us unconditionally. Let's pray. Father, thank You again for our time tonight. Thank You, Lord, for examples in the Word of Your mercy and grace. Father, You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Your will for each and every one of us is to have life and that more abundant. Lord, help us to walk with You this, this week, to walk in the light of Your Word, to walk in the joy of our salvation. And Father, let the world see that there is a difference. Let the world see that You are real in our lives. Guide us this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. You are dismissed.